You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Friday morning, it is time once again for Southern Fried Sports. Right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, out there at 1530, McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, the Chocolate Lady. Brought home some of that dark chocolate almond bark. She brought it home for the quality control manager there. Yours truly at Peterbrook Chocolate here. And I can confirm that it is of absolute great quality. I can confirm that for you on a Friday morning. The dark chocolate almond bark. Get by and pick up yours right now at Peterbrook Chocolate here, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Of course, Easter is upon us. Any Easter basket is a great Easter basket, okay? Any and all Easter baskets are fantastic. But take your Easter basket maybe to a little higher level with some help from the great folks there at Peterbrook Chocolates here. Joined on the program by executive producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 bit of of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, you ready for another big sports weekend, my guy? Always. Always ready for another big sports weekend. Ready to see how uh, things are going to shake out for the basketball team and the softball team to pick up a few more wins. Yeah, and your uh, Pittsburgh Steelers signed Grandpa Ben. Got a new deal done with Grandpa Ben Roethlisberger up there. How about that? That almost feels ceremonial at this point, you know? Is Ben really going to bounce back after that 2020 performance that that feels ceremonial to me at this point Jacob tell me why I'm wrong Jacob well because it freed up 15 million in cap space (laughs) and the Steelers at least have an opportunity to go sign somebody to protect him so that he could throw the ball more than six yards down the field at any given time because that was really the biggest crux of the issue last year even though the offensive line was full of big names they were all in the twilight of their career and and just weren't getting the job done uh, in any regard. So hopefully that's where they well, go with that 24th overall pick, too. You've been begging and pleading for the Steelers to acquire a former center from the University of Alabama, and I see where they fulfilled your wishes yesterday with J.C. Hassenauer. How about that, Jacob? You wanted an Alabama center. 
Uh, you've been pleading for an Alabama center. There you go, J.C. Hassenauer. Well, he, you know, he started two games <laughs> last year, looked okay, but I'm thinking we need a real starter right there. <laughs> I give it up for J.C., man. J.C. was a guy that was mostly a depth provider at Alabama, just hung in there, hung in there. I think by the end of the 2017 season, he was in that starting lineup and uh, still in the league. So all the kudos, all the credit in the world to J.C. Hassenauer. I hope he sticks up there. Uh, in Pittsburgh for a little while longer, anyway. Well, good uh, are we still games, at least? Yeah, yeah. Are we still temp lining it here on the on the station? We still four oh nine. Yes. All right, two zero five four zero nine seven eight seven seven. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. If you would like to check in with us, as Jacob alluded to, a big weekend for Alabama athletics. Shoot, you've got a gymnastics meet tonight over at Coleman Coliseum that's going to have SEC championship implications where the regular season is concerned. The top-ranked Florida Gators in town tonight to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama ranks sixth in the nation right now. Florida top-ranked, as we told you. And Florida undefeated in Southeastern Conference gymnastics action so far this season. The Crimson Tide will have a chance to spoil that perfect season, perfect regular season perhaps for the Florida Gators over there at Coleman, Florida, I checked on it. You're probably going to need to be around a total of 198 tonight, at least if you're Alabama. Now, it helps that you got them in your home gym, but uh, the Florida Gators an absolute machine. couple of meets, they've been well over 198. Alabama of late has been into the 197s, so it may take a season's first 198 plus for the Alabama gymnastics team to knock off the Florida Gators over there. Alabama baseball on the road. We told you all week we're jealous. We're jealous because Alabama baseball is in the home this weekend. Uh, the the world's uh, leader, I think, for brunch. You know, if you want a great brunch, Charleston, South Carolina, not a bad place at all to be. If you want to just eat in general. Charleston, South Carolina, can take care of you. Shrimp and grits and brunch. Do all that you want in Charleston, South Carolina. Walk around King Street a little bit. I've said this before, too. You know, I understand. I understand the market, okay? I understand the crowd here that I'm working with. But I don't know if there's a better place in the country to go to college than the College of Charleston. If you've ever been to Charleston, South Carolina, and you've seen the College of Charleston and where it sits right there in old downtown and how it ties into the city, really, really cool spot, College of Charleston. Charleston, South Carolina, for me, from the ages of 18 to probably 30, if I were going to be able to pick anywhere I wanted to live in the southeastern United States, maybe in the United States in general, it might be Charleston, South Carolina. It's happening. A lot going on. You go over the Ravenal Bridge into Mount Pleasant. It's cool over there. you got the ocean, the beach right there near you, that low country vibe. Really cool place, Charleston, South Carolina. But Alabama baseball looking to stay hot on the weekends, looking for another weekend sweep this time in Charleston, South Carolina. First pitch set for this evening in that series at 5 o'clock. A little warmer usually over there on the coast, the uh, southern coast of South Carolina. You play these March games a little bit later 
on Friday night, not as worried about the chill. And then you'll have games on Saturday and Sunday as well. Connor Prelip, Alabama's ace, not going to pitch for a second straight weekend medical condition, apparently. Uh, and T.J. Reeves, you know, we were hopeful that maybe T.J. Reeves had recovered enough from that tweaked hamstring to be able to return to the lineup. Now he's got another issue, and it looks like he's out for the weekend. So a couple of injuries to keep an eye on for this Alabama baseball team. Alabama women's basketball. We told you throughout the week. I mean, where else are you going to go for expert analysis where Alabama women's basketball is concerned? Right here. We told you throughout the week, the loss on Sunday at Arkansas, which was essentially for the sixth seed in the SEC tournament, that loss for Alabama to Arkansas, probably not a bad thing because with the way the draw worked, Alabama as a seven seed got Missouri, whereas Arkansas got a surging, rising Ole Miss team with Shakira Austin, one of the very best players in the league. Uh, leading the way for the Rebels, and it played out that way yesterday. Alabama, an eight-point winner over Missouri, got really strong performances from Ariah Copeland and Megan Abrams, double-double for the post in Ariah Copeland. And what happened to the Arkansas Razorbacks? You had one sort of upset yesterday in the second round of the SEC Women's Tournament, and it was Arkansas losing by nine to Shakira, Shakira, and the Rebels. There you go. Alabama now will take on South Carolina, second-seeded South Carolina, this evening. That's also in that 5 o'clock hour for Alabama women's basketball. That's a tough ask, but you got the win. You know, the belief going into the tournament in Greenville was that Alabama women were already in the NCAA tournament. And so with that win over Missouri, you feel especially, especially assured of a place in the big dance. 205-409-7877, Alabama men's basketball on the road. Seems like everybody's headed east this weekend, doesn't it? You got Alabama baseball in Charleston. You got Alabama men's basketball headed over to... uh, To Athens, you've got the Alabama women's basketball team in Greenville, South Carolina. Well, Nate Oates met with the media before taking his team eastward to Athens, Georgia, earlier today. And doesn't sound like this is going to be an NBA back end of of of, of a twofer on the road, you know. Like you saw last night in the NBA, I believe it was Steph Curry with the Golden State Warriors, and with the way the Warriors are right now, it probably doesn't matter anyway. But back end of a of a twofer on the road, I think the Warriors were in Portland the night before and then headed to Phoenix on the back end of that, two, two straight on the road. And, you know, you sit Steph Curry for that second one. Well, you're not going to see that apparently for Alabama, even with the SEC regular season championship Wrapped up, Nate Oates says, still a lot to play for for this team. As he noted this morning, this is a team that still needs to get back into rhythm, especially where the offensive end of the floor is concerned. Been a stretch here of sub-75 point games. You know, this is a team you kind of expect to see in that 80-point range on a regular basis. That hasn't been the case as much for Alabama men's basketball, so... Want to make sure, want to try to get Herb Jones, 
want to make sure, want to get John Petty. You know, Josh Primo certainly could use a boost on the offensive end. Want the mindset and psyche of this team to be improved where scoring the basketball is concerned with the SEC tournament upon us. So Alabama at Georgia, Stegeman Coliseum on the University of Georgia campus tomorrow. That is a 1 o'clock tip-off on CBS. So there you go. You are set. And as Jacob talked about earlier, you got a lot of softball on campus. Starting today, actually, you've got a doubleheader with Alabama and Kent State today. I think that first pitch for game one's at 4 o'clock over there at the Rhodes House. And then a doubleheader tomorrow for Alabama softball with Northern Iowa. And then a single game on Sunday with South Alabama. So there you go. We're going to have Charlie Potter on the show in just a little bit. Charlie Potter, of course, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie is getting us ready for a couple of things. He's been getting us ready for Alabama-Georgia men's basketball at Bama Online uh, here in the last day or so. And he's also, along with myself, continued to prepare Alabama fans for upcoming spring football practice at the capstone. So we'll get into some spring football previewing with Charlie Potter, some hoops as well. But Charlie on Thursday at BamaOnline.com, Thursday morning, he had his biggest questions for Alabama heading into spring football practice among them, who replaces the production on offense when you talk about Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Mac Jones, all those guys moving on to the National Football League. Charlie has questions about who steps into leadership roles. I think there's more of an offense for uh, more of a, a reason for that on offense than anything else. I mean, I've said this, we talked about this. I can't recall another Alabama team who had four permanent captains and they all came from one side of the football. That was Alabama in 2020. All four permanent team captains were offensive performers. Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood. Charlie's wondering uh, if this defense, with all these starters coming back, are going to show significant improvement. And he's also wondering about the staff turnover from an assistant coach perspective. How will they step in? How will they adjust You've got some guys that certainly are long in the tooth when it comes to experience when you consider Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone, that tandem coming down from the National Football League. Uh, Defensively, you pretty much remained intact except for one spot. Uh, Tight ends and special teams with Jay Graham is going to be a new situation. Rob Gillespie with those running backs. And then again, on the defensive side of the ball, Jay Valai is in there as your cornerbacks coach with Carl Scott making the jump up to the National Football League. So a lot to get into with Charlie coming up in just a little bit. Pops coming up later in the program. You just never know what you're going to get with Pops, who remains. He remains wildly popular with the listenership. I can't explain it. I don't really know what the reason for it is, but it's hard to go anywhere without folks asking about Pops Asking first and foremost, is he is he fictional? You know, is he actual? Is he for real? And I have to assure them that this is, yeah, this guy is, he's the real deal. 
And so uh, we'll check in with Pops coming up a little later on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports as well. Back with Charlie Potter first, though, when SFS returns on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama's starting five combined for 79 points to help the Crimson Tide roll on to the quarterfinals of the 2021 SEC Tournament with an 82-74 victory over Missouri in women's basketball. Alabama scored 25 points in the fourth quarter to fend off the Tigers and pick up its 16th win of the year. Ariah Copeland led the Tide's quintet in double figures with 22 points as well as a team-best 10 rebounds. Megan Abrams shipped in a season-high 19 points, nine of which were scored in the final quarter to go along with five assists. Next up is a Friday matchup with the number two seed, South Carolina Gamecocks. Tip-off from Greenville, South Carolina is set for 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central, with radio coverage available across the network. I'll have more in a moment. Everwood Treatment Company is wood treated right. Everwood is the most technologically advanced pressure-treated wood available. That means no rotting, no decay, no problems. Just wood treated right. Everwood is your treated wood source and the official pressure-treated lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you're looking to add or replace decks, outdoor structures, or commercial jobs, choose Everwood for wood treated right. If you need it, we'll get it to you. To locate your local Everwood store, visit everwoodtreatment.com. Everwood Treatment, official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We've got you covered for Alabama men's basketball against Georgia on Saturday. Alabama is the 2021 SEC regular season champions and trying to finish the regular season with a victory against Georgia. Tip-off with the Bulldogs from Athens is set for 1 p.m. Central. Our coverage on the network begins at noon. Join us at Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa for the broadcast. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. The sky becoming mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 67. Cloudy tonight, maybe a few sprinkles of rain in scattered spots, the low at 40. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 62. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, and it is that time on Friday. We check in with our good pal, our colleague there at BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. Charlie had last Friday off. 
Charlie uh, trying to sneak in a little downtime. Good for him, man. This dude is an absolute machine when it comes to the University of Alabama beat for us there at BamaOnline.com. Glad to have you back, though, Charlie. It's good to be back. Um, you know, it was weird, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, obviously you still have everything going on in the world, but, um, it, it, you know, whenever you make these plans, you didn't anticipate the Alabama basketball to, to clinch the SEC regular season while you're gone. So to get back in the swing of things and to, to watch the close of the season, it, it's good to be back. No worries, Charlie. According to Alabama fans now, this is going to be an annual occurrence. So, you know, you'll be around <laughs> – the next six or seven straight years that Nate Oates and Alabama win SEC regular season titles. And uh, in all seriousness, it's been, it's been great to see the individual accolades that have sort of followed on the heels of this or continue. We're in the midst of them right now. Seeing guys like Herb Jones as a semifinalist for the Naismith Award as the top player in college basketball. Likewise for Nate Oates here, I guess, recently a uh, semifinalist as well for the coach of the year aspect of uh, of that organization so uh a couple of things again i i don't think either of us envisioned maybe in mid-december heading into late december for this team no not really uh, especially just before the start of sec play i think you know some of these things would have been a surprise at that point but you know outside of maybe you know her being a semifinalist for defensive player of the year that one was you know, kind of obvious but uh no i mean this team's turned things around. Um, you know, I think right now with this game against Georgia coming up Saturday, you know, they're they're wanting to use this maybe as a springboard for the postseason. The last time out, they they played really really well offensively against the Bulldogs, but they want to kind of put it all together with the the way they've been playing on defense and, and getting the offense clicking here of late. So, you know, this is a game that they're not really going to be using to to rest guys or anything like that, and, and I think that's been. Um, you know, the, the, the reason for their success, they've pushed through some things, they've fought through adversity, and they've been able to turn things around. And, yeah, I mean, with, with Nate Oates being a semifinalist for, for Coach of the Year, that's no surprise what he's been able to do in year two. Um, you know, hearing from the players today, I asked a couple of them just about the job he's done and the recognition he's he's getting, and they say that, you know, he deserves everything that's coming his way. So, um, held the job this season, and I know that they're not satisfied. They're going to want to do some things in Nashville and then up in Indiana, but uh, quite a turnaround from what we were talking about there before the start of SEC play. Yeah, and uh, you, you you were on that Zoom conference with Nate and some of the players earlier today before they head over to UGA, uh, and, it, and it had a sense of Nate, going to challenge his players, uh, even with the championship and the regular season clinched, um, kind of a feeling that maybe he needs to bring it a little extra to spur this team through a little bit of a wall that maybe it's hit here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, he said, you know, both years he's been here that you know, he wants his teams playing their best basketball come March and, uh, you know, March is still young. So there's plenty of time left for that, but you know, he, he kind of he was asked about it, but he kind of mentioned it in his opening. Uh, I believe he was on the, the Fine Bomb Show, um, you know, earlier this week or late last week, and mentioned how he doesn't want his team to be like the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA because the Bucks last season had the best record, and then right before the bubble, um, 
they kind of slowed things down a bit, and, and then they were bounced out of the playoffs by the Heat, who put, went on to play the Lakers in the NBA Finals. And you know, he said he hasn't talked with his team about that. But um, you know, the thing for him is, you know, they uh, want to get into a rhythm. They want to be playing well as a team. And um, you know, I think some people can view this Georgia game as a meaningless game. Alabama's already locked up the number one seed for um, the SEC tournament. They're being projected as the number two seed in the NCAA tournament right now. But um, you know, they don't they don't think it's meaningless. Nadez doesn't think it's meaningless. He wants them to get back to playing well and, like you said, kind of get past this wall that they've hit and and play well on both ends of the floor at the same time because they've had good defensive nights, they've had good offensive nights, and so they want to kind of push that, push through that and, and kind of get on a roll before this postseason starts. So that was really the, the big takeaway uh, from that media availability a little bit ago. And, um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of the MO for this game is it's not meaningless. They can use this as, like I said, a springboard uh, for the postseason, and, and that's the plan for them going forward. You know, we're just a couple of Fridays away, I guess, from the start of spring football at the Capstone. And on Thursday, you did a really nice overview of some questions for Alabama football heading into this stretch of practices spanning the next month or two. Um, and, I, I mean, you started with, I think, the, the, the top question on everyone's mind, and that's who and how do you go about replacing all the departed production when you consider Mac Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and, you know, Jalen Waddell and, you know, even some of the uh, issues that you have up front to address with not only some key interior pieces moving on in Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown, but you, know, you got to replace at least one tackle, you know, uh, you know, one tackle for sure with Alex Leatherwood moving on so we say all that Charlie to understand that it starts at quarterback and the expectation of Bryce Young being the next guy but perhaps he gets a push from from Paul Tyson and what exactly do you think we might see even from Jalen Milrow as an early enrollee yeah I mean the offense is just gonna be so fascinating to see how it plays out and you, know, you have to replace eight starters, and I think the competition at offensive line and wide receiver is what I'm most intrigued to to see how it plays out. But of course, the quarterback position is going to get a lot of attention, and and rightfully so. I mean, Mac Jones had an outstanding season, and there's just not a lot of experience in that room, you know, uh, coming back. And I know Bryce Young uh, played some as a true freshman, but because you're facing a, an All SEC schedule, um, he didn't get the opportunity against you know some uh, non-conference teams where Alabama had a big lead late so uh, I think that the spring is, is very important uh, it's, it's great that they're getting this opportunity and I do think Bryce Young is going to be at the front of the line I think the fact that we saw him as the only other quarterback in the game last year last year tells you you know what the coaching staff sees in him but I think it would be good uh, for Alabama to get some some push from guys like Paul Tyson and maybe even and Jalen Milrow so uh, yeah I mean Bryce Young's a talented player. I think, you know, given some more first team opportunities, working behind a, a first team offensive line and, you know, getting some, uh, chemistry with guys like John Mechie and Jaleel Billingsley, uh, will benefit him in the spring. But if they can get good play from Paul Tyson and the others to push him and to, to make it competitive, that's going, that's only going to help. Bryce Young and, and help make a healthier quarterback room for, you know, in the event that something happens, whether it be injury or, or who knows what. So, um, yeah, I mean, quarterback, 
clearly everybody's going to be paying attention to that, but they have to replace a ton on offense. And it kind of goes into that the second point of leadership because all four of the team captains last year were on the offensive side of the ball with Smitty and Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, and Mac Jones. So not only do you have to replace production, but you have to replace the voices in the locker room. And that's not always as easy as maybe you know plugging guys into the lineup and, and letting them go play ball. Offensively, it's not just even that the top guy is moving on, and you said it from a leadership perspective offensively. Every area of that unit in 2020 had a veteran voice leading the way. Miller Forstall with the tight ends, Devontae Smith at wide receiver, Najee with the backs, Mack obviously at quarterback. The offensive line, you had Landon Dickerson, Alex Leatherwood, Deontay Brown, uh, so those voids uh, in that aspect of, of the offense are going to be interesting too. But, you know, again, rotationally, what you've got to sort out. Running back, okay, you bring back Brian Robinson for the bonus year. Uh, but, you know, you saw some of Jace McClellan a year ago, Roydell Williams, Trey Sanders. There's been some optimism here in recent days about his recovery from his latest injury. Wide receiver, okay, I'll grant you John Mechie, but how does that rotation work out? Slade Bolden played some football last year. Uh, tight end, yeah, Jalil Billingsley, you expect some big things there from him, given the explosive plays he contributed as the season moved along last fall. Uh, but again, not just identifying starters or starter types, but how rotations are going to fill out with an emphasis on, I'd say, running back and wide receiver going to be unlike anything we've seen in recent years. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true because your receiver, we just didn't see a ton of rotation. Um, you know, the beginning of the year, it was Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and, and John Mechie. And then when Waddle went down, we saw Slade Bolden kind of step in. But you know, we kept waiting on a guy like Javon Baker to, to make an impact. He never did. I think he's someone that could benefit from a spring same goes for guys. Same goes for guys like uh, Treshawn Holden and Tyu Jones Bell. Uh, Xavier Williams is another year older, and you have three of the four uh, stellar receivers that Alabama signed to this 2021 class already on campus as early enrollees. But it's just an inexperienced group, and um, you know that the same could be said for a lot of positions. I think the offensive line as well. You got guys like Evan Neal and Emilek. You're coming back. Chris Owens is coming back for an extra year, and he can you know play at several positions, but. Outside of that, really, you know, a lot of guys haven't played a ton of first-team reps. I guess you could throw Kendall Randolph in that mix as that pseudo tight end, but um, there's just not a, a lot of experience and, and veteran presence at those positions, and and that's just you know plugging in the the starting lineup. Like you said, the, the depth I think is also an area that they're going to have to um, you know find some guys to step up at running back. You know, you, you got to wonder what. The timetable is for Trey Sanders. He's running on that anti-gravity treadmill, but you know that hip injury, it, it takes some time to come back from. And I think they got some good things from Jason McClellan and, and Roy Dell Williams last year. They benefit from getting the guy like Keelan Robinson back. Uh, so the running back group might be in, in pretty good shape, but receiver, again, it's an inexperienced group, tight end. Um, not a ton of experience there. Guys like Cameron Latou and, and Major Tennyson can – can help uh, alongside Jaleel Billingsley, but maybe a young guy steps up. So offensively, I, I think this this group could look a lot different uh, in 2021. And maybe it takes some some bumps early. They have some talent, but 
Uh, they are certainly going to benefit from having the 15 practices this spring they didn't last year. And, uh, you know, that helps whenever you have to replace so much uh, from just a starting and a, a depth perspective from last year's team. Yeah, when you look at the early enrollees, I would guess the early impact potential is more so on offense because of some of the positions we just talked about, right? And also the offensive line. Uh, there's a precedent for Alabama plug and playing with some first-year offensive tackles. We've seen that in the past. And I guess on defense, though, a guy like Jaquincy McKinstry still might have a chance. Yeah, I mean, you look at the – from a newcomer standpoint, it would probably be the opposite of what we saw last year. You know, last year the emphasis was really – on the defensive side of the ball, guys like Will Anderson, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, Tim Smith, Drew Sanders—they all came in and made you know immediate impacts. But um, you know, this year, like we just highlighted, there's there's so much to have to replace on the offensive side of the ball, and I do think the offensive line makes the most sense, just because Alabama has shown that you know, it's not afraid to to plug a true freshman in somewhere, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be tackle because we've seen guys come in. You know, Evan Neal did it last year. Uh, or in 2019, playing a guard as, after being the, the nation's number one tackle. Alabama signed the, the nation's top two tackles this year, and J.C. Latham and, and Tommy Brockermeyer. So I don't know if they'll necessarily be, you know, getting first-team reps on day one, but it wouldn't shock me to see them, you know, progress and to step into those roles you know, later on in the spring because they're just that talented now that it does have holes to fill. And same could be said for wide receiver. I don't know if they'll be um, guys – in the starting lineup right away, but you know we've seen true freshmen come in and, and make an impact at the receiver position. And Alabama has signed some talented ones this year. Jacory Brooks, um, you know, is a guy that you know, he's a big body receiver. Same for Ajay Hall, uh, Christian Leary. He's a speeder guy, and uh, JoJo Earl will be on campus later this summer. So you know those guys can make immediate impacts. And I agree on the cornerback spot. I think they have some some talented players there. They have a couple of JUCO transfers and Ronald Williams and uh, Kyrie Jackson, guys like Marcus Banks and Brandon Turnage have been in the program now for a little bit. But, you know, Jaquincy McKinstry is a five-star kid. He's an in-state prospect that came in early. He's been practicing with the basketball team. And um, that could be a spot maybe opposite of Josh Job where he sees some playing time. So I think that there's several newcomers that can make an immediate impact. But, yeah, I mean, I think it, it starts on the offensive side of the ball and, and offensive line and, and wide receiver, the, the two areas I would look for right now. Really intriguing dynamic, too, when you talk about newcomers is this coaching staff, as you note in your piece there on BamaOnline.com. Uh, you just don't see two former head coaches in the NFL from the previous season taking on assistant coaching roles <laughs> in college football, but that's what Alabama has with – Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach coming in. Doug Marone taking over the offensive line from Kyle Flood. Uh, again, most of this, like the turnover and talent involving the offensive side of the ball, but as we talked about Jaquincy McKinstry at corner potentially, uh, there's going to be a new voice there as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the coaching staff, it, it's you know almost a yearly storyline. They're going to be adding new guys, of course. Last year, they didn't have a ton of turnover. You only had Freddie Roach coming in along with the, the strength and conditioning coaches. But this year, you, you have a lot of turnover. And it's not just 
on the field positions. It is analysts and, and GAs, guys that are going to be working with these guys behind the scenes. And um, but I mean, of course, the, the on-field assistants are going to get a lot of the attention. And you know, to, to replace a coordinator, an offensive line coach, a running backs coach, and a, a tight ends coach slash special teams coordinator, it's going to take some time to adjust. Um, of course, they're not coming in and and bringing in new systems. They're, the coaches themselves are also having to adjust to doing things. Nick Saban's way so uh, it's it's an, again it's another reason why these spring practices are are so beneficial you have those 12 practices and the three scrimmages um, those scrimmages themselves you know they allow the uh, the teaching to kind of uh, manifest itself and to, to allow those guys to be on the field and and learn what they've um, or to, to use what they've learned from the coaches and to, to use it in a game-like situation so that's that's critical really whenever you have so many new voices in the headsets on the sidelines um and i think that you know it's not going to be something that's going to be a big storyline you know nick saban's excited about this group i'm sure he's going to have a lot of good things to say about the staff but it is an adjustment period it's worth mentioning and um it'll be interesting just to see i know the a-day game will be vanilla but just to see you know what kind of new wrinkles bill o'brien brings in and and how he adjusts to, to working with the quarterbacks because that's going to be uh, of you know big time importance because of the the changeover position. So, you know, new coaching staff they have to adjust, but uh, I'm sure they'll be able to get the job done. How about this scenario? Thinking about a day on April the 17th, two former AFC South head coaches as a day head coaches. <laughs> at Alabama maybe you put Doug Marone and our Jags on one sideline and then you have Bill O'Brien on the other wow that would be a flex right there Charlie if Nick were to do that that's a real flex yeah isn't it it'd be just like the senior bowl where you have the the two uh, teams coming in to to coach those guys basically because you have all the top talent in the country now you have two former NFL head coaches so yeah that would uh that'd be crazy and honestly I haven't thought about that either up to this point, but I would be shocked if that's not how it shakes out. Nick's got to flex on him, doesn't he? I mean, he's got to. He's got to do that. you got to flex on him with Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone as your A-Day head coaches. All right, Charlie, always great stuff with you. Always appreciate you here on the program. Certainly love the work you do for us, with us at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter, we'll talk to you next week. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter. If you haven't already, give him a follow on the Twitter also. At Charlie underscore Potter. P-O-T-T-E-R. Yeah, Nick's got to do that for the spring game. Absolutely. Marone and O'Brien. One coach in the Crimson, one coach in the White. In an old AFC South matchup. Back with more of Southern Fried Sports on a Friday right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Right, we're ready on 100.5 FM. 
takeaways. That's right. Here. Senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. Thanks again to Charlie Potter. My co I'm jumping on the program with us on Fridays. Should have asked Charlie about his excitement level for the Atlanta Braves. I never might ask him about that. Hey, Jacob, we okay? Connection's hopping out, man. Yeah, I'm having some traffic. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to step aside for a final break. We come back, it'll be time for pops. On right here on Southern Pride Sports, presented by Pembroke Chapeteer. Pops more right after this. The biggest. The sky becoming mostly cloudy this afternoon, the high 67. Cloudy tonight, maybe a few sprinkles of rain in scattered spots, the low at 40. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 62. And Sunday, a sunny day with a high at 66. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. FM. The playlist theme of the day, some red hot chili peppers. On the 51st birthday of John Frusciante. John Frusciante, the lead guitarist. A couple different stints with the chili peppers. For John, he turns 51 today. I take it Jacob Harrison is in approval of the RHCP playlist. Is that correct, Jacob? Yes, sir. All right. It really brings as long as it's good baby. with Jacob. Yeah. As long as Jacob's good with it. That's all that matters here on the program. You know, we were talking some offensive line in Alabama with Charlie Potter there. And I uh, got an interesting situation down in Jacksonville with the Jaguars because the Jags are in a position of needing to make a decision on former Alabama offensive tackle Cam Robinson. It's to that point here at the end of Cam's first contract with the Jaguars where the Jags either need to re-sign him or they're going to have to tag him or they just let him walk. So there's talk down there in Jacksonville that the Jags would like to get a new deal done with Cam. I'm not sure the Jags want to go mid-teens, millions per year for Cam. I think they would like to go more in the neighborhood of 10. Uh, So we'll see how those negotiations progress. The thing Cam's got going for him, Jacob Harrison, you can chime in on this too. It isn't exactly a loaded left tackle market. In free agency, I don't think, this time around. And even when you look at the NFL draft coming up, I'm not sure there's a there's an abundance 
of slam dunk left tackles that are out there. So while Cam has had his ups and downs in Jacksonville, he's still in a pretty good spot. Let's ask Pops about Cam Robinson and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pops, what do you think? Think Cam Robinson is things around it in Jacksonville? He's he's not doing real well on the radio down here. On the radio? What's Sounds, he doing on the radio? Yeah, the sports talk radio is talking like Cam's gone. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They they're talking oh. about Trent Williams, the free agency, and what have you. Trent Williams. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sitting there going, "Demon, hey, I mean." For some reason, they're not real happy with him. Uh, or I'm not talking about the, the team. I'm talking the about fans. The, the fans. Yeah, the fans. The fans, yeah. you know. Well, it's been up and down. You know, that rookie year looked really yeah. promising. Then he tears his ACL. Uh, struggled right. coming back from that in year three. This last year, there wasn't anybody on that team to brag about, really. No. And so, no. Uh, it's been a mixed bag for Cam down there. Yeah. I would say yeah, that. it has been. Yeah. I think I think if, if they have a chance at twenty five or I think that's the next pick they got in the first round, if they have somebody up there at left tackle available, they'll go get him. How about Alex Leatherwood yeah. for Cam Robinson? That would be something, huh? Go yeah, Alabama that... tackle for Alabama tackle. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. They could move Cam to guard then, you know. <laughs> I think Cam's going to get paid. I really do. I don't. I don't think there's a, a market out there for, you know, depth of left tackles. Yeah. And uh, yeah. whether it's the Jags or someone else, I think Cam Robinson is about to make somewhere in the neighborhood of probably fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. Crazy well, as that sounds. That's that's what they're saying down here too. That mm-hmm. he because left tackles are are, are yeah. not everywhere right now. Even if, if Jaguars went another direction, he'd still be in good shape if he signed with somebody else. It's not like you know? there's a lot of great left tackles in the NFL right no, now, anyway. There's not an abundance of left. Anyway, tackles. there's a, no Anthony Munoz that I, I see running around out there right now. That's the highest priced lineman. There's not a Tony Baselli pops, you know. Yeah. No, 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 no. Tony mm-hmm. is done. But uh. It it does. I I don't know. They say this their second pick is is going to be a left tackle somehow, okay. some way. Yeah. You know, they even talking about a the uh, a guard from Ohio State. Uh, I can't think of his name, but uh, gonna gonna go the uh, coming out in the, the draft. Route. Yeah. Uh, but of course, yeah. it'd be because they're talking about getting rid of Norwell. You know, yeah, he's a big. And it's not big because item. it's not because of, of money. The, their play only. It's because of the money too that they're a lot paying. Of money them, in you know? Norwell. Yeah, yeah. They've got a lot of cap space though. So I know, I know. I'll tell you someone that'll let them have a tackle for real cheap right now, and that's the Tennessee Titans and Isaiah Wilson, who they took in the first round last year from Georgia. Yeah, the Titans will let yeah. them have Isaiah Wilson for a sweetheart of a deal right now. Yeah, Oof. that's been a disaster with him up there. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So is, is, the, is the exciting is the excitement level continuing to percolate down there with Urban 
in place and well doing his thing. I, uh, the, 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 there's there's a concern that that uh, he still thinks he's in college, you know, and okay, it might get him in a little crack or two handling people down here. Yeah, uh, it, that these it, are grown men he's dealing with now, and uh, you know, it's not back uh, in the '60s or '70s that you could talk to grown men like this and get away with it. But, uh, sounds he has a weird, like, weird way of trying to like. get them online. Yeah. yeah. You know, that worked with Tom Coughlin coming from Boston college yeah. back in the mid nineties. Oh yeah. Back in the day so it was okay. 25 years later. Yeah. But and see, and that's another thing, Trey, a lot of players don't even want to come down here because of that. You know, going to hurt them in free agency. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They're it's already fighting an uphill battle as it is in free agency, but if you got that sort of that sort of narrative surrounding <laughs> your head coach, it might be tough, Pops. Yeah, I know. That's what yeah. it, it, it's. You don't talk down to him. I'm telling you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and he yeah. he's starting. He's he's leading his his tenure here on the on wrong foot. I think. You think? Oh, wow. Hmm. Uh-huh. Maybe Trevor Lawrence Pops will be so good it won't matter. How about that, Pops? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we just hope he can get his left shoulder healed up all right. That's, you know. yeah, he's going to be fine, Pops. going to be fine. What about... Yeah, I worry, more, I worry more about Urban running him too much in Urban's offense. You know, Urban will run that quarterback, and if he's sticking to his yeah, college oh, yeah. ways, yeah. he's going to run. Yeah. He's going to try to run Trevor Lawrence some pops. Well, uh, he might surprise some people with a picking up a old friend of his to to do the running. You know, uh-huh. but uh, we talked about Tebow. But last I, week. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. If, Running Trevor would be a good idea. <laughs> is the Tebow this, talk and the pros momentum? The pros is a little is, different. Is the Tebow you talk know? to the Jags? Is that gaining momentum down there? Oh, well, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. I haven't paid uh, much attention yeah. to it, but uh, yeah. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me a bit because they're tight. That's for sure. Been a lot of talk up here, Pops, about Tua or Mac Jones. Tua or Mac Jones. You know, a couple of the wide receivers, uh, Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddle, have apparently chimed in on that topic. And both of those guys went with Mac Jones over Tua, Pops. Well, Mac Jones throws a, a beautiful pass that a receiver would love. Mm-hmm. He doesn't try to knock you over with it. He just lays mm-hmm. it out there for you and lets you run get it. And mm-hmm. it makes a big difference to a receiver. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Uh but I I and 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 Mac can certainly fit in in a lot of places right now. Mm-hmm. And Brady has proved that in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know? You don't have to be that mobile. Hey pops, if you would have just been five nine, would you have been a quarterback in high school? You think? <laughs> just a little well, bit coach, taller, pops. The, yeah. the coach tried to to make me a quarterback at, at five six. Uh, 
<laughs> oh wow! But but uh, when it, when I put pads on, and it was like I had somebody on my back. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, that you changed were the in a hurry. He Eddie LeBaron of your time. Well, I never I never played tackle football till I got to, to high school. Okay. You know? And I didn't know what it was like to wear pads, you know. And when I oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. But the coach thought I wasn't going to have any problem at all. He had already set me down you in throw the, the gym football. and gone yeah. over the playbook and everything else. Our quarterback, he wanted him at running back. Beaver but it didn't take but a practice or two. And I couldn't get off the field. I was so wore out. That punting, that punting looked good to you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I thought I could do it too, but I, I just I wasn't used to wearing pads. Yeah. At all. What do you got for lunch? You got that chicken salad today, pops? Well, I just went. Nana just went and bought me some uh, smiling Bob smoked fish dip. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Is that trout? Smoke fish Is that trout in there? On, on my yeah. crackers. Saltine okay, crackers. Okay, well, that'll work. Your, oh, yeah. Uh, your, your daughter-in-law is dragging me down to South Louisiana after this program to get those <laughs> redfish tomorrow down there. Hey, the girl doesn't, doesn't surprise me a bit. She loves to get after those redfish, so maybe I'll have well, some you know, of my own after the weekend. I guarantee you she'll catch more than anybody in the boat. Well, she'll take it more seriously. <laughs> For sure. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good weekend, Pops. All right, man. We'll talk at you later. See you, Pops. <laughs> there goes Pops. He's going to have a little fish dip with crackers for lunch. How about that? That's going to do it for a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Thanks to Pops. Thanks to Charlie Potter. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. Friday Lunch Whistle, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Check them out. Celebrating that seventh birthday out there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. We are so grateful, so thankful for the presence of Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Monday, have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you.